Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. And when it comes to the difference between Christianity and all other religions, the difference is the truth. Have you ever asked God for good things for yourself and wondered why it didn't all just happen for you? In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, the people were asking God for and even expecting to have his favour. But they didn't seem to notice that whilst they were breathing out requests for favour and blessing, their lifestyle demonstrated a complete rejection of God and his word. Tonight, Dr. Corbett makes an uncomfortable observation from the pages of Jeremiah. Revival might not be coming. Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 37. Jeremiah is arranged in a slightly strange way we we in the west tend to arrange things with a beginning a middle and an end and the the book of jeremiah is is not necessarily like that in fact what we're reading now in chapters 37 and 38 actually occurred before chapters 21 uh, chapter 21 so you've kind of got to get your head around the fact that sometimes Jeremiah will go forward a bit and tell you events uh, that, that unfolded and then he'll come back and go into a little bit more detail about something that's just happened. It's, it's a very common Hebrew thing to do. They'll state something, go into an aspect of detail and then it sounds like they're continuing on from that when in fact they're giving another aspect of detail that actually happened before then. So that's what's happening here. As we we look at this, again, I'm struck by how relevant this is for today. And in this section, we're going to see Jeremiah coming back in time a bit to where we've already looked at. And he's reminding us when the the false prophets were telling Israel, telling Judah, everything's going to be okay. You're God's people. God's temple is here. It's all good. No harm will come to you. There is, a, there is a, a huge problem with that, and, and as we'll see in a moment, that wasn't what God was saying at all. So here's, as we look at this section, here's what I call it. Revival, well, firstly, do not deceive yourselves. Revival might not be coming. And the question is, as I think um, A.W. Tozer asked, when he asked, why no revival? He said it's because too few Christians are prepared to pay the price necessary to see it happen. And what do we mean by revival? It's when there is increased, extraordinary numbers of people coming to Christ. It's when you you appeal to people and they're very sensitive to eternal matters. It's when you you witness to someone and they're very open to your witness. And it's like picking low-hanging fruit. You, you, you lead people to Christ, and there are seasons of the church where this happens in little pockets. It happened in Launceston in around about 1870. It was known as the Chimney Revival. You may have heard of it, where a group of Christians gathered in the city and began to pray, and they prayed, and they prayed. And they, they prayed because apparently in the late uh, 1860s, the Christians, of, this is going to shock you, the Christians of Launceston were known for their apathy. Who would have thought? In our, and so they prayed, God, shake this city, do something to the city. And you remember what happened that night? They were about to have a, 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 a citywide church, combined church meeting the following night. And that night, there was an earthquake in our city and it knocked over the biggest chimney in our city. 
the owner of the chimney sued those people in the prayer meeting. (laughs) Blamed them. True story. And, And apparently hundreds of people came to Christ. We see little pockets of it. It happened in the early 1960s, about 1961, in what is now... That um, uh, printery place was the National Theatre. Uh, Foot and Place did, thank you. Over a, a five or six week period, an evangelist came in for a, a week of meetings and it extended to two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks or so of meetings and hundreds of people came to Christ around Launceston. So there are things that have happened, but it hasn't happened because Christians have been sitting back going, well, you know, God's just going to all just kick back. They, they, they witnessed, they prayed, they read their Bible, they got serious, they, they, got, they got serving in church, they, they did the things that, that God's word says to do and, and, and little pockets have happened. And oftentimes when it starts to happen, Christians go, oh, well, it's happening now, we don't have to keep praying, witnessing, serving, giving, and it dies. So, for any student of revival, you know that these things don't just happen they happen because something's happened. So don't deceive yourselves. Revival might not be coming. Let's see if we can make sense of this. We're in chapter 37, verse 1. We're going back a little bit in time. In time-wise, we're around about Jeremiah 21. Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, uh, king of Babylon, made king. Now, th- this is going to get a little bit confusing again. Zedekiah is the name Nebuchadnezzar gave Mataniah. Mataniah was the uncle of the deposed king. So, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim. So we have a succession of kings. We have Josiah, Jehoiakim, Jeconiah. Now, Jeconiah here, Jeremiah refers to him as Coniah. Takes out the je- the yut part of his name. And the yut part of his name is, is God. So he removes God from this man's name. And it's a prophetic statement. This man was so godless, he doesn't even deserve to have God in his name. He, became, he went from Jeconiah to Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim. Now here's uh, something that we're going to see because in a moment they're going to, to ask Jeremiah for the word of the Lord. And this is what we we need to recognise and we need to see, based on this next verse that we're going to see in verse 2, that these people were godless people. They they pretended to be religious, they pretended to be sympathetic to spiritual things, but in essence they were godless. And this is, one of my concerns is that I hear Christians say this, and I don't know how you can say this, Once you become familiar with God's word, I don't know how these words can pass your lips. We can't expect non-Christians to honour God or his word. After all, they're non-Christians. And I I hear that and I go, unbelievable, just unbelievable. And, And the reason is this, the word of God is not just for, and I'm using the word religious because you know, what I mean by that. I don't mean people who just look religious. I mean people who really do love God. But on the one hand, there are people who don't understand that and they think we're religious. And they think, yep, yeah, you can have your Bible. In fact, I think it was Armin who told me the story of someone who said to him, you, you can have your Bible, just have it on Sunday. 
The Bible, the Bible and religion is just for Sunday. And it's this whole thinking that disconnects God and his word from everyday life. And I hope as a result today, you leave this place with something added into your life. And if what is added into your life is really God's word, it will affect the way you live Monday, not just next Sunday, Monday. So the word of God is not just for the religious. Verse two, neither he nor his servants, this is the king, neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. Now, this is outstanding because we saw Jeremiah prophesy about King Jehoiakim, that, that the king of Babylon would come in and would take him. We, we saw that happen. And so now Zedekiah, who heard Jeremiah say it, saw it fulfilled, is still despising the word of God unbelievable he despised the word zedekiah despised the word and we're told i mentioned that this sort of fits in around jeremiah 21 22 in that that ballpark we are told by jeremiah what happens to a society when that society rejects god's word now in our state we need to be very careful that we as followers of christ politely courteously respectfully encourage our politicians and leaders to govern by the principles of god's word they don't have to be christians we don't have to enforce christian sharia to make it happen interesting in brunei they've just implemented sharia law now sharia law requires that you must go to the mosque on friday you must be a part of prayer that's what imposing religion on a state looks like If we were to impose Christianity on this state, we would say everybody must be in church on Sunday and they must partake of communion and they must be baptized and they must have their children dedicated and they must and must and must. must. We have never, ever, ever asked for anything close to that. What we have asked for is decency, good manners, good principles of government, fairness and courtesy reflected in our legislation and you might call that religious i just call that decency and that's all we're asking for the rest of it winning people to christ we know there's no law that can be passed to make that happen we have to be a part of that so what happens to a society when it rejects god and his word and there are pockets in the world today where we see that in fact i tell you what i'm going to read this list to you in a moment it's not a list i've invented it's a list that comes from jeremiah himself when I see these things that we're about to read as a, as a trait of godless society, I tell you what I think. I think the church is retreating. If there is a church in that area, it's retreating. It needs to step up and stand up. Now, you might think our city is bad. Can I tell you, our city is nowhere near as bad as, as if it would be if there was no church presence in this city. You have no idea how bad this state would be if we removed the church and Christian presence from this state. You, you, you cannot even begin to imagine what it would look like. But because I think your imagination might need a little help, let me help you. Jeremiah says this in chapter 22, verse 3. Thus says the Lord, and this is, he's addressing each of these things happening in his city, in his country. 
do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien. They're not from Mars. They're from somewhere else apart from Israel. The fatherless, the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. I find this list uncanny to describe the trend for where we're going. Look at this list. Do justice and righteousness. You know, we're talking about in New South Wales, they now have a permanent corruption inquiry. It's called ICAC because corruption is so rampant in our most prosperous state in Australia that they, I heard recently that if they began to try every case of political corruption in New South Wales, they'll need the next 300 years to do it. Even if no more corruption was committed. God help us. They they, they were talking last election in Tasmania that Tasmania desperately needs to replicate what New South Wales has done and set up a permanent corruption inquiry. Never ending, infinite. It was good grief. When when the world is calling for this, we've got problems. (laughs) It's not funny. And and deliver from the hand of the oppressor those who have been robbed. Um, we'll, We'll look at some of these and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien. I read that and I'm thinking, my goodness me. Now, I don't look. This is not a left wing, right wing political labor liberal agenda because they're all talking about the same thing remove the opportunity for asylum from people who who claim it now i don't know how you've been thinking about this but the bible actually has some very strong things to say about welcoming people who are fleeing oppression and i tell you as a nation what we are doing to these people and by far the vast majority of these people are genuine asylum seekers And what we are doing to them, I'll just tell you right now, is disgraceful. That's not a political statement. That's just a statement based on what I understand God's word tells us to do. The fatherless, the widow, nor shed the blood of innocence. So how do we sum that up? Political and corporate corruption. Political, corporate corruption. Increased crime rates. Family breakdowns. These are all the things mentioned in that verse. And the abuse of the most vulnerable. Who are the most vulnerable? I think children in the womb are the most vulnerable. I think the elderly in nursing homes, hospice care are also in that category. Can you see what happens when you remove God and his word from society? Jeremiah says you will have, you can have nothing else but political corruption, corporate corruption, increased crime rates, family breakdowns and the abuse of the most vulnerable in our society. That's what it looks like. Verse 3. King Zedekiah sent for Jehuchel, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah the priest, the son of Messiah, to Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Please pray for us to the Lord our God. Do you get the cheek of this? We have removed God. We have mocked his word, scorned his word, abused People, the way God's word says not to, things aren't going too well for us at the moment, Jeremiah. Do you mind praying for us? Do you hear how dumb that sounds? So there are times when praying cannot do what only obedience can. 
Moses came to the river. Remember when he was leading Israel out of Egypt, he came to the river. God had already said, lead them through the river. I will divide the river. You lead them through the Red Sea. I will divide the seas. And you just go through on dry ground. Moses gets to the edge of the Red Sea. Remember what he does? He stops. He stops. And he goes, hang on a minute, I just got to pray. Oh, God. And God says, shut up. What are you doing? Oh, I'm praying. I didn't tell you to pray. I told you to obey. Go. Oh, dry. How'd that happen? And threw on dry ground. There are times... And this is why if you come to me and you've been doing something really dumb and you go, well, I guess the only thing we can do now is pray. I'm going to look at you like you're a puppy. And I'm going to go, that's all I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to do. Because there are times when it's not all you can do is pray. You know, I just had this huge argument with my wife and now she's really ticked with me. Who would have thought? Well, I guess we can only pray. Does the word apology mean anything to you? Does humble, You can see where I could go with this. I don't want it. But you got the idea. And here's King Zedekiah asking Jeremiah to pray for them when things aren't going well. Now, Jeremiah was still going in and out among the people, for he had not yet been put in prison. So that tells us this is kind of back around chapter 21, 22. Now, why was he about to be put in prison? Why does he mention this? We're going back in time. We're going back in time when the king has seen Jeremiah's prophecies fulfilled. He knows Jeremiah's a real prophet. He knows the word of God is true. He's asked Jeremiah for prayer. And Jeremiah writes it. He records it. This was at the time when I hadn't yet been put in prison. Why was he about to be put in prison? He was about to be put in prison because he had been compassionately preaching God's word. And I say that with fear and prophetic trembling. Because right now in our nation, if I said to you, there is coming a day on the landscape where if things do not turn, if things do not change, it will be commonplace for pastors, for preachers to be imprisoned as punishment for what they preached. And you might think, well, remember I said it, it's on tape, you can... You know what? I hope that day never comes. I really do. We can do something about it if we become the kind of witnesses God wants us to be. But I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Jeremiah was prepared to go to prison. Not happy about it, but prepared to do it. Verse 5. The army of Pharaoh had come out of Egypt. And when the Chaldeans who were besieging Jerusalem heard news about them, they withdrew from Jerusalem. And you know... People thought, "Uh aha, Jeremiah's a false prophet because he said that wouldn't happen. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, thus shall you say to the king of Judah who sent you to me to inquire of me, behold, Pharaoh's army that came to help you is about to return to Egypt to its own land. This is, you can imagine how this sounds. Here's the Egyptian army. They've just turned up. Ah, phew, that was close. We're about to be overrun by Babylon, the Chaldeans. Thank God you're here. Awesome. See, Jeremiah, you call yourself a prophet. Look how wrong you were. 
And Jeremiah says they're not going to last. Not only this, they will return very soon and Babylon will be back. And this time they'll be ticked. They'll be ticked. And there are times, and that was the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. There are, that, it's not a pretty word. And there are times when the word of God for you may not sound attractive. It may not even sound believable. Yet it proves to be true. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Delight yourself in him and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That sounds unbelievable if I did that. Honour the Lord with the first fruits of your income. But you don't know the financial stress I'm under. There are times when God's word sounds unbelievable, yet it's true. Verse 8, And the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against this city. They shall capture it and burn it with fire. Verse 9, thus says the Lord, do not deceive yourselves. The title of our message saying the Chaldeans will surely go away from us for they will not go away. Now, this is contrasted with what the false prophets were saying. The false prophets were saying the Chaldeans, the Babylonians won't be back. Egypt is here to protect us. It'll all be good. We'll show you. Jeremiah is a false prophet. And given the choices, most people are probably going to go with what the false prophets say because there are some things which sound really good and most people gravitate to them. The only problem is they're not true. And when it comes to the difference between Christianity and all other religions, the difference is the truth. That's the truth. I was speaking somewhere recently. We had a Q&A. This is just a few weeks ago. And one of the questions was, how do we know what you're saying is true compared to what somebody else said recently? We heard someone else say something quite different to you. And now you're saying something quite different to them. Who do we know is telling the truth? And my simple answer was this, the one who has the best reasons. Next time you're asked, who are you to say that Christianity is the only way to God? You could say this, well, it's not me saying it. I'm giving you the best reasons why Christianity is the only way to God. And I did this with someone recently as well. You, heard, you may have heard me say this, where someone came up and said, it sounds like you're saying Christianity is the only way to God. And I said, well, that's good. I'm glad I'm clear. And they said, but surely in this day and age, you understand all religions will lead you to God. Any path will get you to God. And I said, well, do you think God has provided the way of salvation? Yeah, of course. Do you think God's provided the best way of salvation? Yes. If you've got the best way of salvation, by definition, how many have you got? And they looked at me. University of Tasmania Lectra looked at me. And even, even someone with a PhD was smart enough to figure this out. When you have the best, you only have one. And they could see it. God has provided the best way of salvation. He's provided one way of salvation. And I wasn't trying to be smart or cocky or anything. But there are some things that sound really good. Problem is, they're not true. And when we look at what was happening in Jeremiah's day, King Zedekiah did not want to believe Jeremiah, did not want to heed Jeremiah. He would much rather have gone with the false prophets. And that's because the false prophets were offering shortcuts. Hey, you know what? We can invoke tremendous prosperity in our city if we take all our brand new newborn babies, go down into that valley, just on the other side of the temple, down there, the Valley of Hinnom. We go down there, there's the potter's furnace. If we dedicate that furnace to Molech 
and to his wife Asherah, and we throw our newborn babies into there, throw our babies into the furnace, our city will be so blessed. And that's what they did. They offered their live babies as human sacrifices to Moloch and Asherah. Most people would rather have the shortcut than the toil of obeying God's word. And that was true in Jeremiah's day. And I suspect it's probably true in our day too. Sometimes to get what you need to get and to end up where you need to end up, it's just hard slog. And here's the good news. God's grace can help you slog. Most people would rather have revival, and I've described to you what that is, than the toil of obeying God's word to see revival. Jeremiah 37 verse 10. But even if you should defeat the whole army of the Chaldeans who are fighting against you and there remained of them only wounded men, every man in his tent, they would rise up and burn this city with fire. And the truth is that is exactly what happened. Jeremiah was vindicated. What do we learn from this passage? We cannot expect good from God if we ignore God's word. We just can't. Here's my challenge, and it's a challenge to me, and you can listen in on it as well. I read this and I go, God, the most dangerous place on the planet to be is a place where you're comfortable and secure and everything's going well. Man, that's dangerous. Just a dangerous place. And the problem is when you're in that place, we all tend to become complacent. And we let the important things of life slip and we replace them for the urgent things of life. So here's my challenge. Will you renew your commitment to God's word and be open to its direction? Will you? There are people who are giving their lives today, and we're, we're going to hear from Anthony Lamule, the superintendent of the Pakistan Bible Society, this Wednesday. So no home groups, just come here for the barbecue. And you're going to hear stories of Christians who would dearly love to have what you have sitting on your lap right now, a Bible. Entire villages have been burnt to the ground in just recent weeks and months because in those villages, the villagers had Bibles in their homes. This is happening today, not just in Jeremiah's day. Can you see what I mean by comfortable and complacent and everything going well and how easy it is to take important things for granted? Will you make a commitment to God's word and its direction? And here's what you'll discover if you do you'll discover that God's word reveals to you how much he loves you and that he wants you to enjoy his best for your life. That's, that's what you'll discover if you read God's word. Are you prepared to make that commitment? If I was going to have an altar call down, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be praying for anyone. I would be the first one standing facing this way. I'd be in that. Just as a child can't expect unbridled generosity from a parent when they've been completely disobedient, we can't expect good from God if we ignore or reject his word. It might be uncomfortable to hear, but there are times when praying cannot do what only obedience can. More from Dr. Corbett next week with the question, Is there any word from the Lord? Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Revival Might Not Be Coming, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.